0: everybody hope you're having a good friday we have a former wolverine jerry diorio with us on the show pause for excitement to talk a little bit about
1: michigan jerry great to see you how are you great to be a michigan wolverine denny down here in sunny southern florida southeast florida down here in pompano beach got them hang out with some great michigan alumni and and uh friends um Saw John R. Besnick, uh, watched the Super Bowl with John R. Besnick, the Flame. Um, and it's not because he got his red hair. That's not why they call him Flame, Denny. It's not. Uh uh-uh. uh. I'll tell you the story later. Anyways, um, Rob Shamey and his lovely wife, MJ, John R. Besnick and his lovely wife, Gail. And then yesterday, had lunch with uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Jim Kane and his wife, Michelle. Uh, their daughter played at uh, Michigan on the lacrosse team. So just had, uh, having a great time down here in Southern Florida with the Michigan uh, um, contingent.
0: It's nice to hear. I mean, yeah, good weather down there, not so much up here. Well, what we're going to talk about today Michigan has a new coach, it looks like. It's very close to the finish line, as we have found out this week, until that ball actually gets over the goal line, and there's a little signature down at the bottom of a contract. So you can't officially say it, but it's looking good for Sharon Moore. Michigan basketball heads into the weekend getting ready to host their in-state rival, Michigan State. Let's see if Jerry's going to watch that game, but we're going to start with this big news with Keon Sab, the Michigan safety, entering his name into the transfer portal. First thing you think of, Jerry, when you see Sab? has put his name into the transfer portal.
1: Why? Why is he talking about leaving? You know, Denny, um, first of all, I want to I give a shout out to the, to the parents of uh, SAB. Um, I sat with them. I sat in front of them at the uh, championship game in uh, Indianapolis and I sat in front of his father and had a great time with them. Great guy, very knowledgeable. Uh, you know loved this you know loves his son obviously um just just had a great time with them uh unbelievable knowledge of the game I mean he was saying some you know he pointed out some things that I said on air uh, about Michigan trying to hit their tight ends over the middle there was nowhere to go with the ball we both saw that during the game so um sad leaving my question my the first thought comes to mind why and um I think, The big reason is, well, I think there's two reasons. I think it's twofold, Benny. Number one, I think he's looking at this and saying, how much playing time am I going to get? you got two returning safeties coming back this year. Rod Moore, possibly the best safety in college football, returning next year, arguably anyways. Macari Page, um, gifted, talented individual. He's a great player. Uh, and then you got Sav. and and um, where's he gonna fit in? Is he gonna fit in the nickel? Is he gonna you know fit? Is he gonna have to compete with those safeties? Mm, I think that's got something to do with it, and I think that's what he's looking at. The other thing I don't think people are really considering is how much NIL money is he getting compared to his competition, and compared to what he's being offered. You know, NIL is kind of like Um, And I don't don't like saying this because NIO is advertising. It's not salary. But this is kind of like the salary cap a little bit, where Sav might be looking at this and saying, they're offering me a lot more money over here, maybe at Oregon or wherever he's looking at. And Michigan is kind of tied because we might have already secured our Uh, some of the players that uh, he's going against and some of the other key players that we've mentioned on this uh, show before. So there there might not be the money to keep Sab. um, But all this has to come down. You know, Lamar Logan is a great hire at Michigan. Wink Martindale is a great hire. and We're going to get into this a lot more extensively in a minute. But now we've got to see Lamar Logan – do something and try to convince Sab. Um, <laughs> Ferris, nice comment. Yeah, I did see a, 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 an alligator down in South Carolina. But anyways, Sab, um, you know he he might be getting some of these offers, some of these NIL offers from some of these other teams. That are, it's going to make it hard for him to stay. So. In the year of NIL, you got a budget just like the uh, salary cap in the NFL. You got a, a room, a loaded room full of great defensive backs from all over the country, and um, he might be getting some uh, some pretty good feelers out there, some pretty good offers from uh, other teams. So those are my two reasons. What's my playing time and the NIL comparisons?
0: Yeah, I think you're on top of it. And for a player, player movement is is it's not good if you're a Michigan fan. It's not good, but being able to go like that and go somewhere else and maybe pick up some money is uh, for a player nice, not so good for Michigan. It's the one spot you just look if you're. It was like if you're a quarterback and there's two really good quarterbacks and you feel like you're not the starter, you go to the transfer portal. And in this spot here, Rod Moore and Makari Page were in front of him. And those are the starters for the championship game. They've been the starters all year long. And while he was coming on and getting some playing time, guys want to start. Yeah. Guys want to play. And oh yeah. You know, guys want to pick up some money. Maybe that if you could get both, like, like I know there's a lot of people say that's no, uh, it's clearly money.
1: Well,
0: you're not sure of that. It's clearly playing time. Eh, okay. I can see that. but so it, it's, Maybe a little bit of both, like you're talking
1: about. It's probably a little bit of both there, Danny. I think, uh, you know, this is business now. College football is truly a business now because the players are involved with the business. And they're looking at this thing and saying, I've got to make a business smart decision here. Um, I think we can still get them back. I think there's great opportunity. I think the selling points are, Sab, number one you are six foot one, 190 pounds. You're going to bring, or 210 pounds. I think he is. Um, you're going to bring something we can, we, we can uh, really utilize in that secondary. Number one, number two, like I said, Lamar uh, Logan, uh, welcome the great, uh, welcome to the university of Michigan. Now go secure, um, SAP, you know, that's your first order of business. And, um, but uh, I think we can still get him. I think we've got to sell him on, hey, listen, you've got unique size, you've got unique abilities, you're going to fit right in with our defensive scheme like we've been doing for the last couple of years. We're going to utilize you more. We've got to emphasize that he's got plenty of playing time ahead of him at the University of Michigan. And then the money, I mean, we got to find out what the uh, um, what's out there. What's he going for? So those are my two big things.
0: Six one two zero eight.
1: Six one two zero
0: eight. Yep. Sab. That was the
1: Michigan football roster
0: before the season. That's a big.
1: That's a big safety. That's a heck of a safety. That's an almost a tweener between an outside linebacker, uh, eighth guy in the box, and a safety. That's a. That's a real nice size, and, and there's some selling points that you can talk. You can talk to Sab and say, listen you're going to see plenty of playing time. You might have to learn a couple different positions, but you're going to see plenty of playing time.
0: Yeah. Coming out of high school, there was a lot of thought that he could be uh, a linebacker uh, or a safety, you know, uh, a a hybrid type. Maybe he could play both. Maybe Michigan even had plans for him this year to do that. And it just didn't end up working out. So it's a tough one. It's, it's tough because he's a good player, and you saw him coming on. Michigan does have some depth there. It is college football, but so much it, it feels like the NFL now. It's almost too bad that you can't, in a spot of depth like that, say, "Yeah, boy, you'd like to trade a uh, Keon Sab for I don't know a a six four wide receiver or something." It doesn't work that way, but you know now they're they're out of there. But that's what you were talking about with the salary cap. They're they, they do have their, of uh, the amount of money that they have, even though they, they can't actually offer it. I mean, that's the the whole great part and where everybody is at right here. Cause what are we really talking about? It, Michigan's not the one, even though we know that they do allocate the money, it's the collectives and you know, that they're working the, together behind the scenes. And yet technically it is uh, against the rules to do that. And it's certainly against the rules to be calling up and, uh, dangling money for uh, players and saying, if you come here and yet it, it's going on, you can't stop it. And uh, more than half the teams are doing it. And then there's uh, legislation out there that's, that is being pushed forward to say that they should do it. So, and fans don't care. You know, so all of that works against you if you're if somebody that's trying to play it above board and, you know, do it by the letter of the law, which I think Michigan is doing. I know they, they, uh, you look over the past few years with the recruiting and it should be a better when it comes to the very top players, but you know, the top players have earned their rankings through all the various services like rivals and what comes along with that is a pretty good, um, a compensation promise package before you ever set foot on campus. So uh, it's one of those things that you know, Michigan fans continue to, look at and wonder when they're going to be able to get involved with the very top guys. And then situations like this as well. So. You know, these
1: next couple of years, they are going to be very interesting. If uh, revenue sharing does go through the way I think it's going to, it might take a few more years than, than a couple, but, um, I think that's where the money is, um, uh, going to be known and able to be, uh, uh policed, uh, this Nil, it's hard to police it and uh, I, I, I you know I'm kind of comparing apples and oranges here with the Nil and the salary cap, but it, it's got a little bit of merit.
0: Some of the feedback SW Lion is saying it's tough for Sharon Moore to be the next man up after Jim Harbaugh. Michigan won their national championship with superior coaching and player development. That will need to continue. Tough to follow a legend, tough with that legend. Grabs a lot of his coaches. Also, tough when you're sitting back and you have a 30 day transfer window and players can just hit it and jump out. But, you know, it is tough, but there's the side about, you know, there's good and bad. On the other side, it's Michigan, and Michigan has uh, seemingly everything going for it. So, uh, you know, I don't, it's not like you, you cry too much for Sharon Moore. He's in a great position and he can get the job done.
1: You got a nice little contract, anyways, Denny. Um, with that said, with that said, you know, there's all the old saying: you don't want to follow the legend; you want to follow the guy who followed the legend, because the guy who follows the legend typically gets uh, um, gets gone quick. But um, I think Sharon Moore is doing a lot if not all the right moves right now i see a lot of in-house promotion um i love the fact that uh our quarterbacks coach is going to the offensive coordinator our tight ends coach is going to uh, offensive line and and, oh by the way he's been there from jim harbaugh playing days when he played when he played for jim harbaugh all the way through um nice pickup um and, and, and all, you know, it, it just seems like everything that Sharon Moore is doing fits with what we just had. And I'm feeling very optimistic about 2024 season. If we keep our players, um, hopefully we can sign Sab, but if we keep everybody else, I think we're in for a real nice run in 2024. Don't kid yourself.
0: It's nice to hear. I tend to agree with you. Let's get over to, we haven't talked with you in a while, so there's been a lot of coaches that you could weigh in on. The breaking news is Lamar Morgan, who was a defensive coordinator and safeties coach for the last two years down for the Raging Cajuns. And so he comes in with play calling experience, the connection with Michigan. He coached alongside Jesse Minter at Vanderbilt in 21 in Minter, endorsed Lamar Morgan for this job and here he is it looks like he's expected to be the next defensive back coach now we did just go through this week where Michigan it looked like uh Adekoke Steven Adekoke from the Texans was ready to accept the job and then the Texans came back and uh, up their offer and he stayed in the NFL, which happens a lot. There's some people, I'm not saying everyone, because there's a lot of people that understand this as well, or even maybe better than we do, Jerry, but coaches in, in college and pro, I remember a few years ago when the the Colts, they were going after the, the New England Patriots offensive coordinator, and they had him. They were ready to, Uh, introduce him as their next head coach. And he even flew in uh, on a plane and everybody was like, oh, Colts, they have their next head coach. Well, he didn't sign his name yet. And then the the Pats came back in over the top and and signed him back as their offensive coordinator. And everybody's like, oh, everybody blew it. Well, you can can say that you accept the job. And then until you put your name down there and, and have it on a legal document, or at least transferred over on a legal document through the uh, uh, however they do that on the computer, uh, that's when it's binding. So uh, we see that happen. It, it happens, not all the time. So that was the situation here. But Morgan looks like he's going to be the guy. And if so, you can make a case that he's just as good or could be better, even than uh, doke who appeared to be Sharon Moore's first choice.
1: You know, Denny, we've got three got three player, um, three coaches on that defensive side that have called plays, called defensive uh, defensive game plans, have come up with defensive game plans, um, and, and have uh, been uh, coordinators. Okay, three on the defensive side, and when you look at them, it's unbelievable how we picked them and got them over here. Um, Morgan, defensive coordinator at, Lou, uh, at Louisiana. His team's averaged two takeaways per, per game, 12th in the nation in takeaways. This guy knows what he's doing in the secondary. He knows what he's doing on the defensive side of the ball. This is an extremely good pickup. If you've got uh, uh, um, okay and then you get Morgan, <laughs> that means there's a, there's a lot of interest in coming to Michigan as a coach. This is a big, big pickup. I like him. I think he's got a lot in common. You know, he. I think he worked with Minner, didn't he? Yes, he did work with Minner yep. in twenty one. He knows this defense. He knows this system. He knows this scheme. So, putting him in the secondary, you know what a big fan I was of Clink. Uh, I love Clink. I thought he's he was he was top notch. I you know I I was I was crushed when he left. But this is a good pickup. This is a solid pickup. This is somebody who can you know. These guys are going to still be working with the Minners at uh, San Diego, possibly with McDonald at the Seattle Seahawks, and with John Harbaugh and that coaching staff with the Raiders. That's that's what you talk about when you're talking about communication and and, uh, cooperatives and, and collaboration. These guys have all worked together. They're in constant communication. They're talking to each other. There's a lot of knowledge that Lamar Morgan is bringing to the University of Michigan. Extremely, extremely important pickup. This is a good, good pickup. Jerry, it's been a a week or so. Uh, Greg Scruggs is expected,
0: uh, the presumptive next defensive line coach. He comes over from uh, Wisconsin. Sharon Moore and him cross paths when Moore was a coach at Louisville, and I think Scruggs was a player, so they got some familiarity there And then Wink Martindale, the the big hire as defensive coordinator. And we, we all know, we've talked about Wink's uh, resume, but he is the guy that taught Michigan's last two de- defensive coordinators this defense. So that continuity that everybody has uh, uh, talked about, but then has complained about as well, uh, There there is a transition. I don't know if it's seamless or not, a nice transition from, the, the Ravens-Michigan defense
1: with Wink calling the plays. It's reload, Denny. It's not rebuild. It's reload. Here's okay. the deal. Uh, if here Here's my way of trying to explain how important Wink-Martindale is to this staff. If you had every NFL team in every major college and each one of those teams only had one coach, and those coaches were drafting their assistant coaches, I think we got a lottery pick. That's what I think of Wink Martindale, Don Martindale. This guy is a lottery pick. In my opinion, this is the biggest and best coaching uh, hire in college football this year.
0: All right. So obviously you like it. I was going to say, so you like it. Yeah. You, you just said it, you know, with an explanation point, you think he's, uh, you know, the best uh, out there. And uh, I, I like it too. Like uh, if, if you want to keep going, what they have and you, and you have this defense, notwithstanding this, uh sab defection uh, today, they still have uh, the core and in, in a pretty good two deep looking at the defense there. So if you're, you're hanging in there, I thought it was encouraging because I know many Michigan fans, you talk about, well, what do you think of 24? And it is too early to talk about it. You haven't gone through spring and you don't know what the transfer portal is going to bring and what it's going to take. But uh, Bill Conley from ESPN does his uh, metric SP plus plus and you know it's it's not the bible it's just like anything else you know preseason or way too early rankings but he had michigan at number 5 and, and it combines a recruiting which you know you see the likely uh teams that are up there but it also looks at the two deep and returning starters and all of this and and michigan was 5 so michigan being a top 5 team plus they would uh, that's not taking into account like when you think about the uh, uh, preseason rankings because defending champs do tend to get respect because there's some of these voters that are like, eh, until Michigan's knocked off at number one, I'm going to have him at number one, which is okay. Uh, you know, the, the preseason rankings, uh, people don't, you know, they're, they're just there as a guide. You don't get too worked up, but the SP has a little bit in it. And the good news is, is that Michigan was in the top five. Now the bad news is that OSU, Oregon, and Texas were two, three, four, all of whom Michigan plays, but the Wolverines have the Ducks and the Longhorns at home. So, you know, some good news, bad news, but, you know, you're talking about next year a little bit, and as we sit here on February the 16th, you know, it's it's still a promising season on tap
1: for, for the Mason Blue. I, Benny, I know Benny, that you know that, right? We are starting at day one. There is nobody that I fear on our schedule or in this country next year our defense. If we continue to do what we're doing on defense, hold our players, and 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 get these kind of coaches, we already got the coaches. but if we can hold these players. There is no reason I don't that that you should think Michigan is going to drop off on defense. Not one iota. Not one iota. In fact, we might be better. You know, and, you got Graham. You got Grant coming back. You got Benny coming back. You got uh, uh, Stewart. Uh, you got a secondary that's loaded. Um, wait and see on the linebackers, but I think we got some really good linebackers. That defense is very, very good. It's in place. Yeah. And I know you watch,
0: so you have seen a practice or two that's more than any of us. And you liked what you saw from the ball coming out of Jaden Denigle's hand. You have said that over the last month or two. So, you know, you, you like his size and, and Kirk Campbell last week. Did a podcast where he compared him to size-wise and being able to shed would-be tacklers. He compared him to Ben Roethlisberger, and he is six foot five. And I don't know if he's two foot, you know. I don't know what Roethlisberger and he could have been two sixty, but Denickel probably two thirty-five right now, and it's six five. And we did see him. I don't remember which game it was, but he took off, lowered his shoulder, and ran over somebody. And also. He, he showed some zip on the ball, and I know you like him. And then yesterday, a friend of mine sent this video of Alex Orgy dunking uh, from a standstill with a windmill and was showing him uh, on the run throwing the ball 60 yards downfield. And Camel on that same podcast had said that uh, Orgy was the best athlete on Michigan's team. The, 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 uh, uh, I forget the acronym, whatever they use to gauge what they're doing every day athletically. Orgy is number one at Michigan, or he was last year. I mean, he's, a, he's this incredible athlete. We saw that when he goes into the game last year uh, on this national championship team. He was getting some run. They got him out on the field. So uh, while there's uncertainty there, and it's not J.J. McCarthy, they've got two pretty intriguing if we're just talking about those two, now there's, there's Tuttle, there's Davis Warren, there's the true freshman Jaden Davis, but both Denigle and Orgy, uh, you know, there's some excitement there. The possibility of those guys uh, being a little bit better than like, Oh, Michigan, you know, they're in trouble at the quarterback position.
1: Oh, I, I tell you, Denny, I'm going to tell you this. I think I mentioned this before, but if I have not here it is. I went to the, First, I went to the last practice before, the last hard-hitting practice before the season last year. And denegal was on the white team, and McCarthy was on the blue team. And I thought denegal actually outplayed McCarthy. But then you start looking at the game, and you see that Graham, and I think Grant, were both on denegal's team. So J.J.'s stepping up into a loaded defensive um, tackle or loaded nose guard, okay? So he was constantly not able to throw and follow through on his passes, and I think that affected him. Then a goal, has got a rifle. The game you're talking about, I think it was Nebraska. I think it was Nebraska. He threw a nice pass over in the middle to the tight end, uh, and it was a rope. And it was a rope. Was it a touchdown? I'm not even sure. I think it was he a did. touchdown. He did throw a touchdown this year, okay. and I think it was the yep. Nebraska game. So and that, like was a game. that was a rope. That was a rope. That was a good and, throw too. And, and, and that was the same game where he ran and put his shoulder down and ran, ran through a tackle. The thing I think our offense missed more than anything this year was the second running back getting the ball, meaning – You either have two running backs in the backfield and you're switching who's getting the ball, or you have a quarterback and a running back, and then the quarterback is your second running back. Do you understand what I'm saying, Denny? Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought we missed all year. I thought there were plenty of times where defenses were allowing J.J. to run out the back end, but he was given the ball because we didn't want to get him hurt. Denigle's a different person, and so is Orgy. Those are two different quarterbacks. Uh, now the accuracy of Orgy, I gotta see. I didn't see it in that in, uh, on that day. I don't know his accuracy. I saw Denigal. I liked him a lot. I love. I liked him a ton right from Jump Street, and I liked the fact that he could run the ball. Both of those quarterbacks can run the ball, and I know one can throw, and possibly two. I'm thinking our quarterbacks on the roster right now. And I'm and saying, I've got no problem with that. I have no problem. In fact, I'm excited about it.
0: Well, however you look at the quarterback position, whether you want a pocket passer or whether you want a guy that can do both, one thing that we know that Orgy can do for sure is run the ball. And it was last year during one of Harbaugh's news conferences, Orgy was a little bit banged up, and then he said, "Yeah, we're going to put him up on on kick return," and then Harbaugh said. He's the greatest kick returner I've ever seen. Uh, something along those lines whether he said he's the greatest in college football or the greatest he's ever seen but it was completely high praise but uh, he's just uh, he's an electric uh, athlete that that's what we're, you're, you're dealing with I mean he's a special you know you have great athletes it's a, a sport of you know great athletes and you might have the best. In, in college football, and that's not going on. That's just what you're dealing with now. What you're talking about being able to throw the ball, how accurate, but athletic, athletic uh, ability, and what you have back there. Who knows what you're dealing with? You know, when it comes down to it. The, the offense could look a way different if you're really sitting over there and you think, "Hey, we've we've got a guy that can just uh, that can just do it with his legs."
1: You know, I think next year we have to seriously consider more outside zone than inside zone. And and outside zone, meaning I think Donovan Edwards is more of an outside kind of guy, although he's broken some huge plays up the gut. I mean, huge plays. Twice against Ohio State, twice against Washington. I mean, right up the gut. But I like our outside package. And one of the things I really like about our outside package is if we can read some of this a little bit more uh, on this lateral movement, That's going to allow our quarterbacks to expose the inside game right up the gut. Um, We used to run Veer Power where we're reading that C-gap player. If he comes up on the back, quarterback's going right behind the guard. Uh, The same thing on the counter that Orgy ran. Um, If we can somehow start to read that a little bit more, uh, which we did in high school, uh, I think it's a very, very effective uh, scheme. And I I think we're going to be in very good shape uh, offensively.
0: It's good to hear Mark pointing out that Harbaugh just a bit hyperbolic, hard to trust when he regularly used these superlatives that are not necessary. There is a point to that. I'll also like so I, I think about that, Mark. I, I go back when, and I thought it not that it was the kiss of death. But I didn't. I didn't like when I heard it because I thought it tied himself a little bit too much to Don Brown. He said Don Brown's the greatest. Coach that he's ever worked with. Uh, he said that. And, and, and things had already, it was after, uh, it, it might have been in the offseason where they had, had melted down in the fourth quarter in South Carolina. He didn't have those last two Ohio State games, but he was already, to me, in, in a situation where I'm like, you know, come on, the greatest head coach. I didn't like hearing that. And, you know, the Harbaugh, I think, believed that he stayed with them a year or two too long, it looked like. But there were, a couple of things that Harbaugh said when he came out and he was like, Hey, what do you think of Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham? And he said, these guys are, uh, the, uh, a blessing from the football gods. <laughs> and he was right about that. Like the, uh, Mason Graham started immediately as a true freshman on the defensive line. Very difficult to do. Kenneth Grant looks like an amazing football player. Both of them back this year. They're the part, what do you, They're along with Will Johnson, you call those guys the big three, right? Yep, absolutely.
1: Um, you know, I was watching uh, Coach Moore's uh, interview or uh, his uh, introductory um, um, video. Yeah. And um, he said that Jim told him one thing. He said, don't be afraid to think out of the box because many times you're right. Don't be afraid. And that's what Jim Harbaugh was. I mean, call him quirky, call him whatever you want, but he gained your attention. And he thought outside the box. It was, it was a hard move for him to get rid of Don Brown. That was that was that was a difficult move to get rid of Don Brown. He loved him. He loved Don Brown. He loved Don Brown. Nope. I don't think there are too many of us that liked him, but he loved Don Brown. Okay. Yeah. Um, he got rid of him. He did it for the program, and and, um, and and Jim has a tendency to exact. I don't want to say exaggerate, but kind of put his people on a pedestal above all else. And and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah, okay, you can get a little quirky and stuff at times, but you know that's good. When when you see your head coach always promoting your players. Your coaches talking about how great they are. They're getting jobs elsewhere. This is going to bring more people in, and I think that's one of the things that Jerome Moore got off Jim Jim Harbaugh is that you know, put your guys on a pedestal. Don't don't be afraid to think outside the box and and, and uh, do what you you feel is good and be yourself. Yeah, you have to take. I think all coaches you have to take with a grain of salt. And Harbaugh,
0: you, you learned over the years, he did hit on a lot of his uh, proclamations. There was the other one where he like, oh, we've got six, seven guys that are going to get drafted in the offensive line. We've got 16, 17 guys that are going to get drafted off this team. I've got eight or nine, you know, future head coaches. I mean, he was saying all kinds of stuff like that, but I think there was some truth in a, a lot of what he was saying there. So, you know, he...
1: Hey, 18 guys at the... Uh- 18 guys at the uh, uh, um, um, combine. I, that's pretty impressive. That's a pretty impressive team. And, and remember, Denny, we talked about this all year, all during the season. This is a team of professionals. Those guys were professionals. They weathered storms as well as anything I ever saw. And 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 now we got these guys coming in, some replacing, some renewing. I mean, it's. I, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling very good. All right, let's take a little feedback before we talk about
0: basketball. So if you have a football question, jump in there, because I want to ask Jerry if he's going to watch tomorrow's – I don't know. I I haven't talked basketball ever with Jerry, so maybe he never watches Michigan basketball, don't say anything. Maybe he watches every game, but tomorrow's game, even down there in Florida, it's on Fox, so he would be available to watch it. So that's coming up right after we take a few – on the feedback and see where Jerry's at. Mark says it's curious to what 30 really solid players can do compared to a few elites, frankly, quarterback plus elite defensive tackles seems the championship level needed with no weaknesses uh, elsewhere. So if we're talking about championship level, Mark is saying that the quarterback needs to be elite. I, I tend to agree with that statement. I do go back to 21 and Kate McNamara, a a game manager, whether you think of that term, I wasn't an elite quarterback, but he was good enough to put Michigan in position to get to the college football playoff with what U of M was doing. If it was just JJ McCarthy, I'd be sitting here saying, you got to do everything to get a quarterback because you don't have a quarterback. You're not going to be able to beat Ohio state and win the big 10, but they showed in this three-year run, that that can happen, but overall, I do agree with what Mark is saying here, especially about the the quarterback. How about his uh, overall point about thirty really solid players compared to a few elite?
1: Oh, I I, I love that. Uh, you know, absolutely. Uh, you you want you want depth. You want a lot of players that are really good. And look at USC last year. Um, Caleb Williams got a lot of money got a lot of stuff at usd and but they had nothing left for anybody else and it showed against notre dame notre dame completely dominated them up front and i don't care what you say or who says it if you're not winning up front you ain't got a chance at quarterback those guys are the ones protecting you and those guys are the ones pressuring you and my thought is yeah i think we got a quarterback I think we got a quarterback that can uh, um, that can win a Big Ten championship.
0: Yeah, hey Jerry, I think when you t- you talk about both USC and UCLA, I don't know if it's a rude awakening, but USC is, is really I – really mean, we want to call them for fin- now. call them soft. I know they they have that label, and until they shed it, uh, they they are a soft defense. And obviously, none neither of those teams. Later in the year, having played in the Pac-12, playing the kind of weather that they're going to have to play in in the Big Ten, I think they will have a little bit of an awakening playing in the conference in uh, in of December. Certainly, uh, if they were playing in December, but November as well. So that is something that they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to deal with. You no, know, Denny,
1: I got to say this: I was wrong on USC from Jump Street about everything. I, I thought they were going to be a really good defense this year new uh, personnel, new coaching staff, and their defense laid an egg just like they did the year before. I thought they were going to be a good team. Uh, they had Caleb Williams, arguably uh, a Heisman Trophy candidate, um, and, and it showed what an offensive line can or cannot do for a quarterback in a running game. Uh, you know, if you don't have an offensive line, I don't, I don't care how good your quarterback is. I don't care how good your running backs are. If, they, if you don't have an offensive line, it's going to be real tough sledding. Uh, to be a, an effective offensive team. Now, what I will say is I was all over USC getting thumped in the bowl game this year. I thought that was one of the better picks. And they come out and win this bowl game. Maybe getting rid of uh, – maybe not having Caleb Williams on your roster uh, it might not be a bad thing.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm with you on this. So you, let me ask you, so if you say that. You're the general manager of the – Chicago Bears, you have the, the number one pick, but you also have Justin Fields. What would you do with the, the first pick? Would you trade it or oh, would gosh, you pick Kenny. a quarterback?
1: What, beautiful. I love this question. I, I'm going after Marvin Harris right now, right away. I think when you have Fields, Harris, DJ Moore, and Komet as your weapons – as the Chicago Bears, you're automatically in the divisional championship mention. I, I think I, I, I think Jane uh, I think Fields is a heck of a quarterback. I think they they kind of hamstrung him a little bit, um, kind of cuff cuff them a little bit, trying to take his legs away from him. That's that's not that's not him. Fields has to run, and, and now if you get Marvin Harris with him, oh boy, that's that's some dangerous. Uh, that's a dangerous stuff right there. So you wouldn't take a quarterback. You would take Marvin Harrison Jr. Absolutely, one. absolutely. All
0: right. Yeah, I don't think, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. I tend to like Justin Fields more than the uh, the average person as well. I, I think he can. I think he can be one of the certainly top ten quarterbacks in the league. I do think that the GM's restarting the clock of getting a a quarterback on a rookie deal. And they all tend to lean into upside of, and when you have somebody that is is pegged as a generational QB, I think every GM in the league would take Caleb Williams based on that. But I'm I'm more like it's it's easier to say pay pay because you're gonna have to pay Justin Fields after this year. It's like three million this year, but then it goes up to 21. You probably have to give him a a new deal right now, so you're gonna have to think about 45 million a year. Where at Caleb Williams, is so much less, and it, oh, it buys you a little bit of time too. And there's that limitless uh, upside with him, but yeah, you're you're ready to go. You could be in Chicago Sports Talk Radio, Jerry. With that, that that's a hot one.
1: Now, now I if, I, if, if I, I were if I were to get Jim Harbaugh with it, holy <laughs> mackerel!
0: Detroit, that, <laughs> that ship sailed. All right, one uh, one or two more, and then we are going to go to basketball. Moose says. The Buckeye fans are talking about Michigan falling off a cliff. After- right on, Moose. He says the issues, they're, they're dumb. And he looks to Michigan's defense with Grant Graham, Will Johnson, Josiah Stewart, the two safeties, and also Ernest Houseman. There's a lot of fans. There's a lot of uh, fans, not just OSU fans, that think Michigan is going to fall off a cliff. I- I've seen
1: that as well. Yeah, there's a lot of people uh, think, uh, Go ahead, think. Uh, you know, Danny, that's the best position to be in as a football player. When I was when I was coming into to Michigan as a uh, as a freshman, we weren't even going to be on TV against Notre Dame because we were thought of that badly. We weren't even in the top twenty ranked. We just got beat by North Carolina in the Gator Bowl, Ohio State in Ann Arbor. Uh, I think we made three field goals or four field goals that year. Nobody had Michigan doing anything. Um, And that was the year we came back, won the Big Ten Championship down in Columbus, beating the Buckeyes and then winning the Rose Bowl against Washington in 1981. So this is the perfect position, in my opinion, where to be. Everybody wants to discount us? Great. Beautiful. Thank you. Jerry was Lawrence Taylor.
0: You played against Lawrence Taylor, is that? No, no, year? no. That was a senior in high school. That okay, year, senior in high school, yeah, Lawrence Taylor. Uh, pretty good. You know, the the thing about Michigan these last three years and where they've been for the younger folks. The way the the last three years have felt was the way Michigan football to me growing up always felt like they felt like they were always had a chance to beat Ohio State. It always felt like they had a chance to win every game. Really, from whatever time you can remember, I would say from 1969 to 2007, that's what it felt like for Michigan football. There was a year or two in there that obviously was a step back, but for the most part, and that's like 40 years, that's the way it felt to be a Michigan fan in these last three years felt like that long stretch. So. It's up to Sharon Moore, and I can see why people would doubt. You lose Jim Harbaugh; it's a big loss. Absolutely, yeah, he's a great coach, one of the
1: best coaches in football.
0: Being able Absolutely. to keep this going, and you have the transfer portal, and you have the the factor with uh, NIL, and there you go. So I, I understand why people are saying that, but you like the position with with Michigan. Not you know they're not sneaking up on anybody,
1: but a, a lot of doubters. Let's 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 look at it this way. If Grant stays, what's he gonna feel about everybody putting Michigan down? If Graham stays, what's he gonna feel like when everybody's putting Michigan down? Johnson, Stewart, Moore, Page, Hausman. These guys have got egos. So you're telling me that Michigan's gonna fall off the cliff, they're not gonna be any good, even though they just won a national title, they're 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 second on every that's the position. I want to be in, and those guys that I just mentioned, they're they are going to be pissed going into the year. I love it. That's
0: uh, Jerry Diario. You see it down here, 1980, 81, 82, 83. Guard out of Youngstown, Ohio, offensive guard, Cardinal Mooney. We are going to take the turn and talk a little bit about basketball. I want to remind folks that you can join the Maize and Blue Review today by going to michigan.rivals.com. Would love to see you over on the den this offseason with all the things we just mentioned, with the coaching moves the transfer portal, NIL, constant conversation about Michigan football all day and all night. That's where I spend my time uh, debating and going back and forth with the Michigan fans over on the Maize and Blue Review. Jerry, Michigan basketball reminds me a little bit of uh, USC football. And that U.S. and a little bit about Ohio State football. And that Ryan Day preached that we're going to be tough. We're going to be physical. We can match Michigan's uh, uh, physicality on defense. And USC, it was all offense. And L.A. and woo, the city of angels. were are letting the football fly. But on foot, on the, on the defensive side, they were playing patty cake. And you could talk about playing defense and being tough, but you have to live it. Every day, and uh, demand it if you're the coaches and everything else. And, and I, you got to recruit it, recruit and it, recruit it. And I think that's what's going on with basketball. Michigan—they can't stop the ball, they can't uh, compete on that side. They've got other issues, but the number one thing is is that they're soft defensively, and they're not physically ready to match up with other teams in the Big Ten. I see that as the biggest issue. It could end up being. Ah, uh, the the downfall of uh, Juwan Howard. We'll see what happens after the the season. Let me ask you: uh, Do you have you watched Michigan basketball regularly over the years? What about this year? And then what about tomorrow night?
1: Yes, Denny, I had watched Michigan <laughs> basketball over the years, especially when John Beeline was coaching, and our teams were really, really good. Let me, uh, you know, you mentioned that, Denny. When you look at Michigan's team and, and their their side. You would think this would be a very, very physical team. This would be a good defensive team. They're not, they have some pretty good size. They got some good looking kids on that team. And, and yet something's missing. Beeline, I never thought we would go into Michigan State and beat Michigan State uh, in Lansing with John Beeline's teams. They never looked like they were um, very physical. They never looked really big. They had a lot of six, 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 seven forwards. Uh, you know, Garter two six two Trey, uh, Trey Burke, and, and and one big fella. But they weren't really a, a physically uh, dominating presence when they came in the stadiums. I might be wrong. I didn't see much coming into you know. I didn't see much firsthand at a game. I was watching on TV. But but they played hard. They were very skilled. Um, they had a system, and they knew what the system uh, did. And, and they and they played to that system, and we were taking players and developing them into pro players when there was no reason that they should have been pro players. The guy out in um, Miami, I keep forgetting his name. Um, oh gosh, what's his name? Laranega? Huh? Jim Laranega? You're talking about? No, no, the, uh, the, the the player from Michigan that's out was out with uh, Miami last year. I don't know if he's still there. Anyways, okay. uh, he was a Division III, uh shooting guard. Oh, Duncan Robinson. There you go, Duncan Robinson. Uh, we were taking people that weren't highly recruited and developing them, just like our football program did. It seems like we're taking really nice-looking bodies, and we're not doing much with them. And, and that's my problem. I it, That's my problem with Michigan basketball right now. There's just – not a lot of good things going on. I think we're last in the Big Ten right now, right? Correct. Okay. Dead last. Is not the, last time,
0: the last time they finished dead last in the Big Ten was uh, the year after Cassie Russell left and was the number one pick of the Knicks in 66. So 65, that was. So Michigan shouldn't be
1: last in anything in the Big Ten.
0: No, and you know that Juwan Howard, the old following the legend – John B was a legend. This is a great basketball coach. It's too bad they they need the next John B somebody that can go out there, identify players for his system. They don't have to be the five stars, they don't have to be the one and done's. And uh, that's exactly what they're looking for. Uh, there's not too many. If, if there was the next John B out there, this is what a lot of teams uh, would want. I, I like
1: Ferris. The best thing I can talk about, I'm thinking. The best thing I can talk about Michigan basketball this year is that Michigan football 115. 15 <laughs> you know, That's about the size of it, too.
0: Yeah, everybody missing uh, Coach B. So what about tomorrow? Are you going to watch the game, or are you going to go and put your feet in the water down there in Florida? What you know, you going to go out on the beach and take a walk?
1: Danny, I'm going to have a nice walk early in the morning. I'm going to watch the game. All right. And then uh, we'll see what transpires during the game because uh, that's a lot of time to be out in the sun if we're not doing well.
0: <laughs> well, uh, they, you know, you, you say things like if you could only win one more game because it doesn't look like – well, they're not going to the, the tournament. This is the one. But what I what I know is that if Michigan drops this one tomorrow night – then everyone is going to go after Uh, them. It'll be their – every loss, they kind of go after them. But you lose at home to Michigan State, it's not going to be a nice night for Jawan Howard, I can promise you, especially if some of the things that have uh, cropped up uh, this year uh, happen next year. And this is the time of year where you're watching college basketball – Teams are gearing up and fine tuning. They've got to take their play to the next level to get ready for the NCAA tournament. They played Nebraska last weekend and they went in there and Nebraska was talking about, this is a must win. If we're going to make the NCAA tournament, Michigan was down 30 in the first half, Illinois needed to bounce back after going up to Michigan state and playing on the road. They drew the line on the court and say, we've got to play well and screw in defense. And they were up by 40 on Michigan. Tom Izzo, is going to be saying that same kind of stuff. Mark wants an assessment of Northwestern head coach. That is, uh, what's it, David Braun is his name. Uh, football and basketball. Of course, they they have uh, Collins as their basketball coach, and they're doing it the best uh, with both sports. And comparing Michigan to Northwestern, they've got um, – what do you think? Uh,
1: well, you know, I – there's no way you're going to tell me that a guy who wins a national title with an unbeaten season isn't the coach of the year. Um, but that guy in Northwestern really did a phenomenal job. I mean, with all the adversity that that team went through at the beginning of the season and win eight games in a bowl game, that that's saying something. And uh, I'm really surprised we got somebody out of Northwestern. I'm really happy we did. Um But uh, he did a heck of a coach and did a heck of a job. And then Collins has always been a really good coach. And and, um, I've always enjoyed watching his teams and watch them uh, play way back when.
0: Yeah, that's right. Chris Collins, he would be on a list, I think, for Michigan if they were looking for uh, a coach.
1: Well, that'd be nice. Of course, his dad
0: coached uh, Jordan and, and then coached the Pistons. Yep. I can recall one time sitting in the front row at a press conference after the Pistons had lost like four or five games and they were going into a Thanksgiving break. And uh, I asked Doug Collins if he thought that they would be able to bounce back over the weekend. And he looked at me and he said, do I look like Kresgin? And I didn't know what to say because I didn't know who Kresgin was. (laughs) And I, I just, I said, I don't know. And then he just walked off. And somebody said, "Don't worry about it." That's kind of the way he is. So I'd go home and I'm like, "Who's Kreskin? the great Kreskin?" I know who the great Kreskin is now. The great Kreskin was a predictor of uh, of all things. He was a soothsayer, right? You know, he was able to predict the future. So Doug Collins was not able to predict the future. He was mad at his team, and he and he used me in that situation. But that's all right. But I'll never forget it. Ferris that- got the
1: best best the best uh, comments of the day. I got I to gotta tell you, Ferris got the best. You're asking me if i seen a snake a ga- or a gator. How the heck do you know I hate snakes and gators, <laughs> Ferris? I don't know. I have any idea how you know that, number one. Number two, he's talking about Michigan football when you're talking about Michigan basketball. Now what you're saying, could the Fab Five now in their 50s <laughs> beat this guy? Maybe. I don't know. I couldn't move much. I couldn't move uh, very well in my 50s uh, at, on the basketball court. I tried, but uh, 50s was kind of the limit.
0: Yeah, I, I think 40s. The 40s, <laughs> I think they could have. Absolutely. Jawan Howard and, and Chris Webber. You know, Chris Webber, I don't know if he can even walk. You know, he's it's, it's gone through. Jalen looks like he could still play. And I know Jimmy could still play. And, and Jawan still does play. But <laughs> – Uh, It would be interesting because I was going to say, I think the Fab Five could hang in for a half. But, of course, this basketball team, that's what stymied them all year long is that they've been decent in most of their games for a half. So could they Fab Five hang for a half? That's what I would look at. Maybe. That would be interesting. And and would it be a sellout? Uh, They they need that. Uh, They need – if they – it could get ugly just looking at the crowd next – tomorrow night because there's – going to be a lot of green and white fans that are looking to get revenge for football for the last few years uh, and and trying to invade the stadium. We'll see just what that's going to be like. Uh, I've been at Michigan basketball games back in the uh, LRB and certainly the Amaker years where, where Michigan state was up here and Michigan was down there and, and it's going to be, it'll be packed tomorrow night, but there'll, there'll be a lot of people going back and forth. So. We'll see what that ends up looking like. Jerry, great job, uh, as always. And Same to you, Denny. Uh, have a great day and a and great weekend. we we'll look forward to talking with you again.
1: Hail to the – our excuse me. Hail to the victors. Let's go. Come on, Michigan. <laughs> pull it off tomorrow. Let's go. Shock the world. Let's go. Knock Michigan State out of the NCAA tournament. Wouldn't that be nice?
0: As Sharon Moore says, smash the like button. And we appreciate those five-star comments on the pods. Take care, everybody.